Escape your everyday with out-of-this-world action. From the gritty apocalypse of the Walking Dead universe to the cyberpunk realm of The Watch and the criminal underbelly of Gangs of London, AMC Plus is more than entertaining. It's epic. Feel all the chills and thrills with Shudder's halfway to Halloween month. Experience Shudder's biggest month of horror featuring a new season of Creepshow and new movie premieres every week. All available ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com. When you laugh, your brain releases endorphins, yeah? Your stress hormones are reduced and the oxygen supply to your blood is increased, so... Welcome to episode 11 of Leathered. I'm Sean McDonald, and you're about to listen to an in-depth, detailed discussion on depression with my mate, Martin Melly. We talk about the circumstances that led to Martin going through his own ordeal, you know, what the darkest periods were like and how it felt. It gets a wee bit intense. Uh, the conversation was very raw and it was all laid out there, but there is a happy ending. Uh, through the help of friends, family, professionals but mainly through his own inner strength and determination to overcome the affliction. He came out on the other side, um, and you know, not only has he, has he overcome it, but he's got renewed and reinvigorated an inspirational approach to life, um, which you'll hear. This podcast is specifically for people who are at the beginning, middle or end of their own ordeal. That was why Martin approached me um, to share his experiences and the hope that it would help somebody else. I'm absolutely certain that it will. There's some great advice in here, there's stories and examples that I'm sure you'll relate to. The main thing to take away from this episode is you can overcome depression, no matter how futile that fight might seem, or how much of an insurmountable task it may appear to be, it really isn't. Um, And another thing to to remember, and that certainly is put across in this chat, is that people might seem busy and wrapped up in their own lives, but I can guarantee that they would drop it all to help you. People care. Um... So speaking to somebody, you know, talking to people is essential. There's always hope and things can change. I think it could also help people who haven't experienced depression to understand what people close to them might be going through, you know, to, to have a wee bit of an idea how they're feeling and how you can possibly help when they need it most. This is a slightly longer episode than usual, but that was um, that was necessary. I'm sure it's one that you'll enjoy. So get comfortable, get a tea, get a coffee, gran, crack open a Guinness or a can of tenants, and away we go. Right, we'll get started then. Melly, thanks for joining. No problem. So that's quite a, it's quite difficult to frame this. So if you fancy explaining. Essentially, why we're here, apart from us being pally and that, but we're obviously sitting down for a reason. So, what is it that we're, we're going to discuss today? Uh, cheers for throwing the bomb at me. <laughs> uh, obviously, you were talking about uh, the podcast recently, and talking about getting people on about gambling and mental health and that sort of thing. And we were talking, and uh, fortunately, I had a serious battle with depression last year, so we're on to talk about that. So, we'll try and Jazz it up so it's not too bleak. Aye, there'll, there'll be some David Brent quotes. <laughs> there'll be a bit of carry on. It is, it's quite a bleak, tough subject. But 
genuinely not taking the piss, which I always usually would. It is a, it's a brave thing to talk about because there's a lot of people who have got in touch off the back of some conversations or some podcasts. And then I've said to them, would you like to come on? Now, there has been a few who've said they would and we'll come to that, but the majority say no. I, I, I don't fancy speaking about that, so it's... Um, I think it will do a lot of good for people hearing this for anybody that's in the same boat um, either at the start, middle or near in the end um, but I think the main point we should make is, is a happy ending isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, that's it it's the whole reason I got into the mess sort of thing was not talking about it right. so I always found it difficult speaking about it when I wasn't doing great so mm-hmm. now that I'm alright I can speak about it without getting too upset so always thought once I got on the other side I'd like to put it out somewhere so maybe help somebody that's going through it or Aye. somebody that doesn't understand what it's like it might help them understand what it's like for somebody so that one day somebody says <laughs> there goes Martin Melly <laughs> I must <laughs> remember to thank him <laughs> if you don't watch The Office you've got there's a few houses going to your head Aye. <laughs> uh, let's kind of go back to the start is there a starting point yeah, I suppose so. It's, I've always been like, a, I've never ever spoke about how I feel to MD. It's mm. just been something I've always done my whole life, which, looking back now, is pure stupid, like, ridiculous. It's, un- it's understandable, though, if that's your personality traits and also West of Scotland. It's my West of Scotland it thing, is. it's a West of Scotland guy thing, just block it away. Like, my mate always talked about it, always get these bills in and you just put them on his window ledge and uh, come into his room what's that? He's like, that's all my problems I just shove them up there but uh, so, so you do the same thing you just shove everything in the back of your mind but uh, it's still there so you just need to deal with it but it was uh, so in August 2016 uh, my dad passed away he'd he got cancer uh, the 19, 19 months before and he went to get an operation. The operation went okay, but the cancer spread quickly in between the operation and being diagnosed. And he was given a couple of months to live. End up living for 19 months, but obviously he died. So it was devastating for me. Like my dad, he's like my my best pal, my my hero, and all that. And uh, after that, because of that, long to deal with it of get the idea into my head and then uh, just being thinking alright I'm the man of the house or whatever and I got to tell my dad everything I wanted to say, got to spend time and all that I thought I was alright and then just went on from there I just I didn't feel quite right but I just as I said just didn't talk about it, just put it to the back of my head and uh, I always had my mum had my brother and I had my girlfriend so I was always had people to bounce off. Mm-hmm. Then in uh, February the following year, my brother decided to move to China. So I was good, happy for him going and trying something. And all that. So that was that was fine. Thought I was alright after that. But uh, obviously me and him, we had a good relationship. So we'd always talk about my dad and bounce off each other, have a laugh and that. So it made everything easier. But. I thought I was okay after that, I still my mum and my girlfriend and then got to, I was just keeping myself really busy, going mm-hmm. to the gym, getting in shape, just 
playing football, coaching football. So I was always busy at the podcast, obviously, in Celtic. And so it got to the January of last year, 2018, and uh, my mum found out she had cancer as well. So I was like, devastated, obviously, and just trying to get that in your head. And then I was just, around the start of the year, I just didn't feel good, but just again, just put it back in my head, just didn't do anything about it, didn't say it Then, just at the end of February, eh, I thought, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. My mum will be okay. Still got my girlfriend that. And then, at the end of February, eh, girlfriend said, she wasn't sure how she felt anymore and wanted to spend time apart and just from there just everything my whole world just collapsed through under me because that was my dad was gone my brother was gone my mum potentially gone and now my girlfriend gone and that was the three people I cared about mm-hmm. the four people I cared about the most and I just felt oh, I could be by myself in a, a matter of months and just with my girlfriend going as well it was her mum and dad, who I went on holiday with every year, her two sisters, her sister's man, and one of her sisters had a, a wee boy, and he was my nephew as well, I thought uh, he had grown up, I'd seen him being born and that, so me and him hung about all the time, so I just felt like my whole world collapsed, and then that was in the Monday where we spoke, I spoke to her, and uh, the... Well, you'll not know about this because you were putting up pictures of you in Barcelona like that. <laughs> uh, it was that beast from the east. Oh, I know. I was, yeah, I was too busy on rooftops and all right. that. And so uh, it made me feel better looking on Instagram at your <laughs> photos. See, by the way, right, I'll not keep that thought in your head, right, about the beast from the east. See, this is a, probably a perfect opportunity to say how misleading Instagram can be because, see, at that time, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I was having the time in my life like when I was on rooftops and working away with my laptop at the pool and all that, but I'll, although I'm lucky to have a great network of pals in Barcelona, I was, fuck me, like crippled with loneliness yeah. because I was by myself, essentially, because yeah, I don't have family, I don't have like my closest pals, like my pals who are there are my jet setters and they're always away. So there was a lot of times when I'd be there, like at that point, I would have given anything to have been able to fly back and be stranded in the snow. Yeah. But if you look on my Instagram, you're like, oh, this guy's on that. You know, he's sitting having a fucking strawberry, frozen strawberry daiquiri. <laughs> and Mark's like, with his T-shirt off like, by a pool. But the reality is, although it was great and I was happy, it wasn't all it was cut to be. So sorry, on you go. Uh, sorry, we'll come back to Instagram because I'm not on it anymore. But uh, we'll come back to it. But I was there. So that was the Monday, so... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was that beast from the east so I was just stuck in the house just thinking and thinking Aye. and thinking it was absolutely brutal and I'd, I'd never like, been through something like this before like, well, I've been through grief I've been through heartbreak before but like the two of them together mm-hmm. was a deadly concoction and I, I didn't really know what depression was that I'd obviously heard about it and heard people talking about it maybe thought, oh, maybe that's it but you're always like nah I'll be alright but oh it was brutal I just couldn't get out of my own head just couldn't do anything at that time I was uh, I was going to the gym all the time and I was eating like 4,000 calories and from that, that day 
I couldn't do anything. I couldn't sleep. Then when I had to get out of bed, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't finish a meal. It took me four weeks to finish even one small meal. That's never. I just couldn't do anything. It was just wild how my life just changed like that. And it was just went from all right to plummeted right down. Absolutely brutal and just not knowing what was happening as well. Do you have like a timeline of how long that... I mean, did you hit like a rock bottom? which then prompted you to, to go and speak to somebody? Like, where did you go for there once you started to slip into it? That was, so it was the following, the following week. I remember it because my mate's birthday's the 9th of March. I think that was the Thursday. So the Wednesday night, I was, the Wednesday was the worst day of my life up to that point. Mm-hmm. Just, from then I was just shaking all the time. I couldn't concentrate on anything I just felt like I was standing like in the middle of a motorway and just hard to describe but cars are flying past me but that was like my thoughts coming ah. through the back of my head just all these horrible thoughts just constant I just had to just I needed the world to stop and slow down so I could catch up but it mm-hmm. wasn't happening and the Wednesday I just decided I need to get up tomorrow and speak to somebody so Thursday I got up, phoned the doctor and made an appointment with the doctor went to the doctor and spoke to them and uh, I just told the doctor and just broke down and that was the first time I like, cried in, some, in front mm-hmm. of somebody I didn't know and all that and spoke about this uh, the doctor the doctor was good but she just like, got depression by the sounds of it uh, so just hearing that the first time it's somebody else saying it instead of me thinking it uh-huh. it just sort of took me aback a bit but it was easier hearing it and just knowing what it was then but the doctor was yeah, we can give you this leaflet and you can refer yourself to get uh, counselling and I can uh, prescribe you these uh, antidepressants he's a second here uh-huh. I've just right. found out I've got depression and you're trying to plough me with uh, antidepressants. So she was explaining that it'll take you three weeks to to feel better before you, it starts to take effect. And she said, you could be on them for six months, but they're quite easy to get off. And I was like, three weeks? I, was, I thought, I'll be feeling all right in three weeks. I'll feel better. Can I get any worse mm. than this? But see, if, like, in, if you'd have said to me, Last year, as the year went on, if you'd have went into that day, I went into the doctor and said, see in a month, you'll still feel like this. Or in two months, you'll feel like this. See in six months, you'll feel worse. See in eight months, you'll feel even worse. I'd have said, give me those tablets right now because I can't do that. It can't. I can't go on like Oh, this. so you bypassed the tablets? Did you not take them? No, I, I said, I thought I'd be okay. And she said, look, make an appointment for four weeks and see how you are then. But then I just walked out and like, absolutely nothing's changed here. Aye. I've just been given a leaflet and that was me. So I phoned up that, uh, the counselling and they said, yeah, it's a 10-week waiting list. <laughs> what am I going to do for Aye. 10 weeks? <laughs> I'll be pan breed by the way this continues. So they said, 10 weeks waiting list. So uh, I went home that night and I 
I told my mum, and I just—I still don't remember standing in the kitchen. I just told my mum, and just obviously broke down. Like she, she'd been through a lot, and then she's going through cancer, and then I'm putting this on her as right. well. That felt awful, but she was obviously great, and she said, "Look, phone up the counsellor and see if there's anything else they can do." So. Uh, they can re- they recommended in our place the Tom Allen Centre that's just off Charing Cross. Right, okay. So uh, I phoned them and made an appointment for the following week and uh, went for counselling there. But it was just every day it was just brutal, man. From that point on, just couldn't couldn't see any light. Just oh, it's hard to describe unless you've been through it. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's been through it will know. Any that's not, it's like the worst hangover, come down, heartbreak, grief, everything all put together in one. I just couldn't cope with it at all. I think, see, that's an interesting comment about people who haven't understood it. And I think, as part of like, this is just my thoughts, and again, I'm not speaking as if I'm some authority because I don't really have a fucking clue from a professional standpoint, but I feel like what really has to change or improve is people, the understanding on the part of people who haven't suffered from it yeah. in order to help because I don't know if sometimes people say they feel like a burden or you know somebody's like oh you're depressed why do you just not be depressed no, <laughs> or like you can't get out of bed why don't you just get out of your bed and I think so So this will go some way to helping people understand it because obviously would, would you agree that your recovery also depended somewhat on the people around you. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just everything changed for me. Like, I couldn't do anything, and it's just a vicious cycle. Because all I wanted to do was stay in bed, but I couldn't sleep, Aye. so it was pointless. So I was just lying there, thinking. Depression's just like it's a form of overthinking. Mm-hmm. Like you've obviously there's things that trigger it and make it worse, but you're just creating problems in your head that just through overthinking and it just spirals and spirals and spirals and you just get completely lost in your own head and you just, you just feel totally alone because you think nobody understands you can't get it out of your head and it's, it's hard to even say, say how I was feeling now because it's mm-hmm. hard to explain so you just I never really knew what anxiety was until I read up about it, like during all this, like, I thought anxiety was like, hyperventilating, not being able to speak in public and all that. So uh-huh, I yeah. it when that's what I still think anxiety is. Yeah, so it, I didn't realise it was overthinking. It can be anything that makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's just again like the West of Scotland thing. You just put it away, and hope it all gets better. Aye. But it doesn't get better unless you do something about it. I wonder if in the social media age sometimes people are reluctant to admit it because it would then be acknowledging that they don't have the perfect life. Let's yeah. talk about that because you wanted to, when I mentioned Instagram, like, what's your thoughts on Instagram and various social media? Uh, social media is good. We wouldn't be mates if it wasn't exactly, social yeah. media. Uh-huh. So it's good in that way, but it is good and there's a lot of good comes from it if it's used in the right way, but I just think it's I, I don't know if it does as much good as it does bad well there's obviously you can keep in contact with people mm-hmm. you can find out about people but 
as you say, look, I'm just looking at you, think that guy's got the perfect life. I'm snowed in here, he's on Barcelona on a rooftop. You're just comparing yourself to other people because I was like, I, was like that. I just <laughs> felt like my life had to start again because that was me in my 30s. 30. <laughs> uh, Both in our 30s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was me, I, was, I could be alone. Whereas all my mates are married, have kids Aye. and all that. And I was like, I'm miles behind everything. Like, just mm. comparing myself to people. Whereas, if I was comparing myself to you and you were, I was the loneliest guy in the world. Aye. So too, so if you're lonely at the same time, but you've no clue of it. I just think that's what you do. You compare yourself to people. And I think it's going to get bad for young people. Because there's, I think it's going to get worse for young girls and young people growing up. Because girls are on comparing themselves to these celebrities that have doctored, not them personally but these photos are doctored photoshopped surgeons, exactly and they're comparing themselves to people that that, to something that's not real so it's not, you're never going to get there and it's just going to play with people's heads and it's also young people, when we were at school if you're having a hard time at school you went home and that was it Mm -hmm. but now you go home and you can't switch off can't because it's it. on your phone. If somebody's bullying you, they can go on and say stuff about you online. When you're at school with that, that's a massive deal to you. Mm-hmm. And that, it just has a psychological effect, I think. But I've, I always found that with, with Instagram, when, I was, when all that happened, from then until I deleted Instagram, I was putting up more and more photos, I was putting up more Instagram stories, I was putting up more photos of the stuff I'd done, and when I felt alright, I didn't do that, mm-hmm. because I didn't feel the need to, no. but here I was trying to prove to myself that I was alright, or things were good, and and then you just end up feeling worse, because you're like, I'm a liar, right. I'm a pure fraud, I'm putting up these pictures, and I've never been more unhappy in my life. I think there was an element of me doing that as well, Um it's a, it's a weird one for me because at that point, where was that? No, that was 2017. So 2016. So I, I split up with a girlfriend as well. And uh, especially being abroad, further away from home, it just kind of put things into a bit of disarray. And then there was a period for, for then until about, it was a few months, like for then to about summer, where it was, fuck me, it was a struggle. Sometimes nobody able to get a bed, but as you say, I remembered that. But I never thought at any point... I was depressed, I just thought, oh, I'm just a wee bit down, and I still don't really know, but I did find that I would put stuff up to, con- and it really wasn't to convince others, it was to convince myself, like, oh, here's me at the water park, well, actually, no, because by water park season, I was all right, <laughs> so that starts in, like, June, but before then, like, rooftops are, and it is a wee bit, trying. I probably was trying to convince myself, because any ordinary person might go, well, why would you not just go back to Scotland, and I thought, well, that isn't an option, I'm not doing that. And I, I, I did do that with Instagram. It's also what you're saying about with young people. They've never known any different. Like, we've got something to compare it to. So yeah. there is, for us to cut it out, it's just like a return to, I don't know, early 2000s. Whereas they weren't either alive or, you know, kids were still shiting themselves in the early 2000s. So they, you know, they had to get their nappy changed <laughs> at that point. So they don't know a time before social media so then maybe to take it away might seem really alien to them if that's their form of communication well exactly that's how they'll keep in contact with everybody uh-huh. and it'd probably be more weird for them not to be on it than on it uh-huh. it? it would be aye it would be strange I think if you said to a theatre 
I'm pure guessing here, right? I might, I'm sure myself up as an old guy. But if I was to say a 14 year old, do you have Snapchat? I'm betting every single one of them would say aye. So it would be weird because yep. I remember I used to be instantly suspicious of people that didn't have Facebook. See, when that was like the main thing, I'd be like, why? Why don't you? I don't had it for about seven years. See, now, but I think that's normal. But I just, when it first came out, I was like, that's strange. Yeah. Everybody's got Facebook. Um, so that was me. I was put like, imagine saying that to somebody 10 years older than me at that time. They'd be like, what are you talking about, mate? It's just a fucking yeah. like a mad website where you. I don't know, I, I, I compared social media to cigarettes in the sense that when they first came out, never everybody smoked and you'd yeah. advertise and all that. And then now we look back and we look to our grandparents, what were you playing at? I can't believe you pure smoke. Now you, you, smoke? When is smoke ever good? When is it You're good? breathing it in. I know, and then, so I, I, I wonder if in like 30 years our grandkids will be like, well, we were at 30, what age will be? Like 50 years, let's say. Our grandkids will be like, I can't believe you willingly used that. It's so bad for you. Like <laughs> we learned about it in biology. Like it's so bad for your brain, and you just used it all the time. Just, just think thing. how much you're on your phone. Because of my iPhone, it comes up the screen time. Like, what am I doing? I just know. sitting scrolling through things. And I do. Although there will be a lot of screen time wasted, but I do make this point. I can't. Where did I last say? I can't remember. Right, but if you think about it now, everything is centralised in that device. Yeah. So without me even having to think about it, right? Uh, music, notes, messages, calls, bank, weather, internet, news, uh, your social media, books, everything is in there. So you are going to then, if you need something, it's in your phone. So you're going to then find me. So there is that element because old people say that. That's a pure disrespectful term, isn't it? But old people go, you're never off your phone, and that's like, well, everything is in this phone. So that's why I'm going to turn to it. But obviously. If you're, you're like, I do scroll a lot, oh, so yeah. it's it's so addictive, it's designed to be addictive, isn't it? And you're just, you're just sometimes you're scrolling and you, you've scrolled that much that nothing happens. I go, that's when I start looking through things like trends. Yeah. <laughs> I see what other funny stuff. I, I mean, I come for, I come for the dogs and then I end up just depressed. Yeah, well, I, that's I, what I'm happens. I'm still to me. on Twitter because I, I, I use Twitter as a news feed and Aye. I follow my mates and. Uh, some of the Twitter pal is good, but Aye. some of it's toxic as well. With Instagram and that, it's just, I'm no doubt people are happy and put it up, but mm-hmm. you're suspicious of people that are putting up constant pictures of how happy they are and how their, their life's good. And if you sit and ask them, look at it yourself, you're, you were lonely while you're putting up these pictures Aye. and a rooftop beach and that. So it's just one of those things that you do it to make yourself feel better, but. It really does. It's hurting you, innit? And then you look at... One thing I look at is I'll be scrolling and I'll be like, oh, Rolex, Mercedes, uh, I don't know, Balenciaga, train, oh, really expensive stuff. I don't and know how to pronounce Balenciaga, really. <laughs> and uh, I'll kind of look at it and... Now, this is for all different people. This isn't like just one mad Dan Bozerian type millionaire. But then you look at it and you go... I don't have all of these things subco- sort of subconsciously, but then consciously I'll go, wait a minute, neither do they. Like They've all got one thing each, let's yeah. say. But you're looking at it and you're just going, oh, there's another thing I don't have, there's another thing I don't have. Do you ever, speaking of social media, and this is worth anybody else, have you heard of the app Calm? No. It is magic, right? I'm going to open it. You open it and it says, take a deep breath, and it's in relaxing blue. Can you hear this? Yeah. 
so there's a variety of like meditations and all that and it is magic so if I click on meditation right meditate and you've got to help anxiety so 21 days of calm 27 days of calming anxiety I've used a really good one waiting to find it 7 days of gratitude it's called and basically did you write down something you're grateful for kinda aye so wait a minute I'll, I'll click on that again if I can get it to open so with 7 days of gratitude you have it's, it's got this relaxing like wave sound and all that and it sounds really cheesy and gimmicky right but it's like there's, there's hundreds of hours of stuff in it shout out to Tim Lennox because he was the one who gave me the code to get it and uh, I, it kind of re-centers you a wee bit it's like take, it'll literally say at the start 10 minutes that's all you're given sit down shut your eyes and it's like forms of meditation and relaxation and all that and it's excellent and the gratitude ones especially and it even this this thing touches on it it's like social media is not entirely real and I don't think humanity is kind of really although we say we've worked that out we still keep no, going still it's like it's, it's like drinking for a bottle of water and going I hold a bottle of water and going this is poison and I know this is bad for me but then proceeding to take a drink anyway yeah, you just have to do it don't you I, it's, it's, I always find as well with my mates because we're a bit older we don't see each other as much I was just when I was standing listening to conversations it would always be how you doing what have you been up to and they'd all be like ah I've seen that on Facebook seen that on Instagram and I just it just clicked one day like, now that I'm not on them and uh, I'm asking somebody how they're doing what they've been up to I don't know aye, aye. and it, it makes conversation easier and get actually <laughs> interesting instead of just, I've seen that on Instagram or seen that on Facebook. I know, I've got to tell you, like, save it. I already know. <laughs> you're just standing there talking about nothing. Um, right, to come back with, I kind of take us away there, going on social media. So the time has gone by. First of all, when you went to the, how was the centre, the one at Charing Cross, what was it called again? Yeah, Tom Allen. Tom Allen. It was good. That was the, I went... I got just got the training because it's easier for Charing Cross. But uh, the woman, uh, Liz was her name. She was really good. Like, just made you feel relaxed and just let me talk and seemed to know when to say something. Mm-hmm. But because I, I felt so bad, I just went in with the the mindset that there's no point going in here and lying and not telling the complete truth because I'm not going to gain anything out of that mm-hmm. and what good's it going to do lying to this woman who doesn't know you and is not going to judge you she's not going to think any different if you whatever you tell her so I just went in and bubbled like a baby explained it all to her just went back to everything being the first time I'd like properly spoke about stuff like it did help it always talking about it always helps mm-hmm. because so even if it's wee small things if you say it to somebody their perception of it's totally different from from yours so you could have this major problem in your head but then one wee comment from them because it's somebody else saying it nice. makes you feel a lot better rather than you've played over every scenario mm-hmm. so that was good but I was going to that every second week but I was still felt awful in between every time like, no energy to do anything I'd go to the gym and I'd just walk out after an exercise because I 
I was shattered, just mentally exhausted all the time. I just, I'd have to stop in the middle of the street sometimes and just close my eyes because I was just constantly a second away from breaking down at all times. Just mm-hmm. any time I could have just burst into tears. Like, it's, it's hard to describe, but and we're both obviously Celtic fans. And the best way I can describe it from that is the I was at the Rangers Celtic game at Ibrox when we won three two. But right, uh, March eleventh was it? Yep. So standing there, I was with Jamie and Stephen, and uh, I just got in at the stadium, and this was the it was like this for everything I done. I just stood there, thought, "Do I be here?" Mm. But I didn't have anywhere else to go, nothing else to do. I just went home just lay in bed I was like I just don't want to be here can't be here but because I was with the A2 I just didn't say anything so they obviously won the game and it was good uh-huh. I was sort of winning the league but mm. it just meant nothing really did you celebrate when the goals went in or? I, I celebrated when the goals went in was it meant or was it forced I get, you get that you get that wee second of elation like uh-huh. you always do but then it's just like this voice in your head like going oh wait a minute you're unhappy what are you doing yeah you can't be like that so then it's just a wee buzz and then an instant come down so just after the game just went up the road to, to kind of frame that for anybody who might not be a big Celtic fan I mean that that was the pinnacle uh, looking back everybody says that's their favourite game of the season looking back that was the pinnacle you know we were Celtic were essentially tipped to lose the game Rangers started better it could have swung the league towards Rangers and 10 men not playing very well and Celtic still on to win and won the league so if you in any other circumstance or scenario that's going down as the best day of your life yeah. so if anybody can put yourself in what would be the best day of your life and for them that to essentially mean nothing that's that's what that was because I love what one of my favourite things ever is going to the game I've never ever left a Celtic game early apart from once and it was Jamie's fault we were playing St Johnston <laughs> and it was freezing and he said let's go and beat the traffic and I hate that it was 0-0 I was like fine and Celtic scored two goals Key and Char scored and they oh, won 2-0 and I missed them and I said I'm never leaving a game ever again early but Celtic played Martin I think it was Martin was in the cup get beat 1-0 uh, no, the last year we played Martin, was it Martin? Early on in the cup. Aye, aye. I just left early. I just walked out. I was like, I can't be here. Oh, just sitting there. And then we beat Rangers 4-0 at Hamden as well. And just, what a Just wanted to go home. But the only reason I didn't was because I was with my mate. And then just went home and just lay in my bed. That's mad. And, and I'm not even saying this, trying to be funny, because I'm getting everything you're saying. But see you telling me, that meant not that was one of the best days of my life yeah. so that really hits home to me like fuck if that isn't making you happy because that was one thing when I had a wee shit time and I'm downplaying that somewhat when I went through a tough time Celtic winning and playing well was one of the things that really helped Yeah, that that, that was like a, a, an escape somewhat that, that was I just didn't have any escape because I didn't. I couldn't do anything at the gym. I love going to the gym, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't get any motivation. The Sunday before everything collapsed, I was playing for my football team, 
and we we hadn't won in ages. Well, pure shite, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and, uh, we we won that game three two, and I scored the third goal. No so that was like a first win, and honestly, might have been about six months. Right, we were so <laughs> bad, and from that to then, everything collapsing the next day. I've not played a game of football, eleven aside football since. Oh, really? Uh, I, I try to play fives uh, in between, and I just wasn't there. I just mm-hmm. like, this is the last thing I need because any mistake I make, I'm just putting it on myself and making Aye. it worse. So I didn't f- play football. The gym was an absolute struggle. Getting the motivation to get up was the hardest thing ever, and then going to work and getting through that. Everything was just about getting through getting through stuff not even enjoying Celtic then having to do the podcast on Celtic and I'm just like I'm lying I'm sitting here talking about how that was good and I'm just lying to people lying to myself and just pure guilt ridden it was absolutely brutal see I I was actually just thinking that there because I listened to uh, the 20 minute Tims oh I should have shouted there we go but Celtic's number one podcast we with Jamie Flynn, Stephen Arbuckle, um, if you're a Celtic fan and you're not listening to that, you must be in the, the minority. Anyway, get on to it. But so you're, you're on you're on that once, sometimes twice a week, talking about I enjoyed this and thing means up and and you concealed it unbelievably well because see when you told me about this, yeah. I was I had to sit down and I was like I cannot believe that yeah. I would never ever ever have known. I might be the first guy on this podcast that's not. Work for the BBC, is it? <laughs> get a job as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But that's it, you just feel like you're lying to people and people are asking you how you're doing and I just found out so many ways to avoid that by asking them how they're doing or hugging them and not answering the uh, question. Just And you just feel like you're just concealing things and you just feel so bad and you're just looking at people like, how can you not tell I'm dying inside right now it's just it's weird and you're then everything's rushing through your head and you're looking about and everybody's just doing their own thing moving on with their life life Mm -hmm. life goes on and you're just like just want to scream let's stop I need to catch up here looking at people that are smiling going why the fuck do they get to be happy I don't you shouldn't be envious of people being nasty that's natural though I think that's human nature do you think you concealing that was that out of trying to protect yourself and not admit it outwardly or was it you thinking everybody's got their own stuff and their own lives and I'm not going to bother anybody well a bit of both it wasn't as if I didn't tell MD like I told my good mates like see when you're when I was like that and having to tell people I couldn't do it to their face. Uh, I remember sitting in the car once and we've got a group chat in the podcast, obviously, and Stephen and Jamie are all talking about stuff to do with it and I'm just, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. uh, I I can't think about this sort of stuff and just feeling awful that we love doing this and I'm I'm just like, what am I going to do? And they're putting all this effort in, so I just had to text them and tell them obviously they were good with me I text my mate a few of my mates but just any wee sort of thing that like that texting somebody just burst into tears like mm-hmm. typing the, the text out it's just constantly 
either in tears or fighting tears they're usually just getting through the day just every day just make it home for work without crying and I work by myself I'm self-employed so mm. it was just constantly by myself alone with my thoughts just oh, just polluting my mind just get lost in my own head man. did you find so obviously when you would confide in people or open up did you then feel comforted or supported like how how did you feel after you told them yeah it was just like every single person I told not one of them dismissed it mm-hmm. not one of them said you're being stupid every single person was 100% supportive and I was still find it difficult to talk to people but they'd always say look if you need anything text me or they'd ask how I am and, I, and see just knowing you've got that support it makes a difference like, I wish I'd have used it more and spoke to people mm-hmm. more but I still found that difficult but having knowing people are there to support you and you could text them or phone them it makes massive difference I think it's as you were saying you look at people getting on with their lives and busy or laughing or they seem a way ahead I think if you know if it was me and I'm sure anybody else and for you for anybody if, if somebody came to me and and opened that up, or kind of, you know, said, "Look, this is how I feel. I don't care what it is. Like, it's, I'll drop it. Nothing's more important than f- your friends, your family, your loved ones." And obviously, you've then, re- you've obviously seen once you've opened up a wee bit. That's like, wait a minute, these people do care. People do yeah. kind of want to help. And I think sometimes people don't realise that you're not. And I'm speaking directly to anybody that's maybe thinking that you're not a burden to anybody. People love you. People would be desperate to help you, but. We, we all get wrapped up in our own shit. Yeah, I had to. Mate, I had to take up a fucking carpet yesterday, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never. I did a wee bit of it, and I swear I was raging. And to me, I was like, "This is the end of the world. Yeah, this yeah. is the absolute end of the world." And I almost tweeted about it. By the way, I'm going to have a, a very angry Jennifer listening to this. But I always pull that. I pulled a wee bit. She did all the rest, and. I, I was so wrapped up in that wee thing, and that's just one wee thing. So I get wrapped up in work, I get wrapped up in all these different things. I get wrapped up in the Celtic are going to do the treble. Yeah. Don't know if we will, it's touch and go with the cup, Scottish Cup semi. But the, the point is, people get wrapped up in their lives, but it doesn't mean they don't care. Yeah. And, aye. It's just, it is like some people were better than others, but I think that's just, I don't think it's out of badness or they don't care. I just honestly don't think they understand. Aye. But some people will just constantly text me, ask me how I am. Other people you wouldn't hear from their months, I think they just thought, oh, he split up with his bird. That's, mm-hmm. that's the reason for Aye. it. But, like, there's heartbreak, and then there's this. It's just a totally different world. I just I just couldn't get anywhere for ages and ages. It's I've, I've thought a wee bit there about you saying people are a way ahead as well. That's another thing. Have you ever seen, it's very much like a a 15 year old girl thing to share, right? But I did see a picture before, I've seen it before and it's like, you know, some people have a CEO of a company at 20 and some become a CEO at 50, you know, some have a family at 20, some have it at 40. It's like, we're all running a different race, we're all on a different thing and that is comparison culture and that is normal and we're all susceptible to it no matter how much we think we can comprehend or understand that whole comparison thing. But is it, we're all running a different race. Is that something that's become a bit clearer yeah, you know, to you? Oh, back then, I was overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. But just with the way we come on to it, all the stuff I've learned, like, 
in that time I've learned more about myself in a year than I have in the previous mm-hmm. of my whole life but he, he sort of just like I was I hated myself like absolutely hated myself what did you hate? everything like just putting myself down constantly that's something I've probably done my whole life like always been quite hard on myself everybody's their own worst enemy right. their own worst critic aren't they? but just I hated myself I hated my life and I just kept telling myself, I'm fucked, I'm fucked, I'm not, ha- I'm not happy, I was like, I'm not even not happy, I'm so unhappy, pure depressed, and I was just kept saying that, just need to get to a point where I'm not unhappy, mm-hmm. and because happiness seemed like a million miles away, that seemed too far, and just overplaying everything, but you couldn't, now I know like you can only be you. Like I can't, I can't sit here and look at you and go, oh, "Wish I looked like Sean." It's not <laughs> going to happen, is it? You're It's just stuff like that. You like, oh, look at him, or he's got that, and he's that. You can only be you. Aye. You can't compare yourself to other people and wish to be like them. You need. To, I always felt uncomfortable in places, but you need to be comfortable in your own skin, don't you? Because you can't. Can you just go your whole life wishing you were somebody else? Because everybody's just be you, be Aye. the best you. you no, can exactly, be. be the best you you can be. Be in competition with yourself to constantly improve. A lot of people, when devastatingly, we see so often a few times this year that darkness becomes too much for people. Yeah, and they see no way out. Now you've obviously seen some chink of light. I, I mean, other than I would say in this. It, is not to say that anybody else didn't have an inner strength, but you've always had some sort of real inner fortitude to think, no, I'm, I'm overcoming this, I'm conquering this. What were those chinks of light? Like, what helped you? Uh, well, see, during the whole thing, everything when he was negative, I just kept telling myself, I can't do this, mm-hmm. I'm fucked. And see, if you keep telling yourself something over and over again, you believe it. Mm-hmm. So, there was... The counselling helped, because... I was always talking about things and uh, it just it's a release mm-hmm. getting it out and getting the tears out and then when you do that when you talk to somebody it doesn't seem as bad because as I said they can just say well I always thought oh fucked I'm fucked but when I was explaining everything that happened to the the counsellor she's like wow, you've been through a lot, but because I'd been through it, I didn't stop to think that I'd been through it. Like, you can stop to think, you can't stop thinking. Mm-hmm. So see when you just stop and go, well, that was quite a lot for somebody to go through instead mm-hmm. of beating yourself up about it. You can sort of give yourself a bit of praise. Like, you're doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just doing the best that they can, aren't they? Yeah, That's absolutely. why social media as well, like, people talk to they go on and they'll tweet somebody or make a comment about somebody and I, you would never say that to them in real life you'd never walk up to somebody and go <laughs> your podcast shite would you because no, it's I fucking know. terrible I but because to. you're on a website or on a, an app you just tweet something like life's hard enough without making it harder for other people somebody I know somebody caught me oh, I can't remember let me think Caught me a terracotta attention seeker. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite impressive. I know. I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? I thought, that's actually alright, but I'm not an attention seeker. 
uh, I might be terracotta. For that's good. I've never been called terracotta before. Yeah. No, but it's true. P- people say things that they would never. This was a shite bag with a cartoon as his picture. Um, people would never say that, and we are all guilty of it. I, I'll hold my hands up, man. I've done it to people. I, never nasty. It's always like a wee piss take. But then I, I've started to stop and think, like, how would that impact them? Like yeah. maybe in the past, if I've said something, we've all had a wee snidey comment in us, and I think if you learn from it and realise and address your mistake. Because there's no way I can sit here and say, who are you calling a terracotta attention seeker? <laughs> when I have also told people, I mean, people like the Tories and uh, Jacob Rees Morgan and Nigel Farage, they don't count. I can say whatever I fucking want. It's hard to, to not say stuff. They don't count. But you're an ordinary person, but I would be a hypocrite. So here is my admission I have been a snidey wee dick in the past. I'm not as well. Yeah. No, I know, but I will, because before I then start calling others out on it, it is a. You know, people do, people do say things, don't they? And they think you can just say whatever. There's not going to be a consequence or there won't be a reaction yeah. or it's not going to impact anybody. Aye, if, with your podcast, if a hundred people say, brilliant, mate, well done, but see if one person says something, that's Aye. the thing you take Here on Here I'm, I'm leaving myself open to, to somebody else doing it now, right? And I see if you do, your mother's a cow. <laughs> but there's been like 120 ratings, right, on the podcast. They've all been five stars, but there's two that have been one star, and two? it's pure pissed me off. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. I'm like, who is it? And that's a perfect example. It's like, instead of looking at, there's 115 people that like this, yeah. it's like, there's two people, and I bet you they fucking don't even have a problem with it, they're just trying to be dicks about it. That's it, you, you always remember the terrible things people say, you don't remember all the nice stuff. I remember I was playing football at school, <laughs> it was a school team game. And uh, I was up, I think I was playing in defence for some stupid reason, and I was up against this guy and we had a wee argument. <laughs> for some I don't, for some stupid reason. Uh, no, I Mark Melly right back to that, who, me, yeah. Andrea Pirlo, I don't know. So I think I was playing left back and I'm right footed. Like, <laughs> and then uh, uh, something happened, and we had a wee argument, and he went, oh, fuck off, you ugly bastard. And I still remember that yeah, this day. I don't aye. remember the guy or anything, but I still remember that comment. Like, one wee throwaway comment Aye. you could say to somebody could stay with them for the rest of your life. Oh, mate, there's stuff I remember. There's something I remember for primary two. Well, this wee, and I can't really say this in any other way, but this wee boy stank a shit, right? <laughs> and I f- immediately my heart went out to him because people were saying things to him. Yeah, it's horrible. I, so it's horrible, right? And honestly, and I actually remember this, and I'm p- proud of myself, right, as a wee guy. This was when I was at school in Essex. I lived in Essex for a few years as a wee boy. I've never left. <laughs> um, if you're drummed into me, um, but so this wee guy, right, and I, I went up to him and I kind of put my arm kind of around his shoulder and I was like, "Don't like something." Just said something nice to him, and he went, "This is weird psychology." But he basically tried to pass this smell off as me, <laughs> right? Pretty I hard. now anybody ever has known me as a wee guy, even as like a five year old, that's pure obsessive with been in the shower and brushed my teeth now, it's just this weird thing I've always had. That's the first thing I said to you, you got here, you smelled delightful. <laughs> I'm, I'm clean. <laughs> right. And this wee fucking, and I can remember his wee cunty, freckly face, right, where he's like, he smells like poo or something like that. <laughs> and I always just like, you little bastard, you're a fucking liar. That's just him deflecting. I know, he was, and right? I get absolutely slaughtered, right. And I was like, smell me. But that's <laughs> it, kids, kids like, Smell blood and just go yeah. for it, and I get absolutely hammered. I'm like, this is the with you as well. You'll be. I know this is the biggest injustice ever. But as a girl, I went to school. I made a comment, and I wasn't even 
I, I, I doubt she'll be listening to this. But I, I didn't mean it bad, but I went, oh, your arms are quite hairy, aren't they? Yeah. No, I would never. Stupid I, 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 just stupid comment. Yeah. And I, I have actually always been conscious, though, again, people disagree with us probably, I've been conscious of hurting anybody's feelings. Even as a wee guy, I was always dead aware of it. Like, not saying it, and it was up. Like, it would be like the Catholic conscience, I call Maybe that Catholic guilt. Aye, pure guilt or everything. <laughs> I, <don't know, laughs> I couldn't sleep some nights and doing something stupid at primary school. But, oh. but uh, these, these comments, man, they stick with people. Right, I'm sorry if this is then going to be an emotive bit to get into, but you said the day after the game, Aye. things collapsed. Aye. What happened? Just everything, that was it. Just lost my dad. Just thinking the four people I cared about. Oh, so great! I should just thought that, that realization of just everything. Uh, they could all be out my life on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was happening to my mum. I've had her out with for five years, and then losing all her family. So my family circle went from this quite big to uh-huh. just me and my mum, and she had cancer, and I'm like, fuck, what? What if that's it? And right, my mum, she got she got better on it she just needed an operation remove a tumour uh, and she got some radiotherapy but by then it was just too late like everything had just snowballed and I hate, as I said I hated myself hated everything and I just shaking constantly just couldn't get anywhere at all and just just I would never like commit suicide because I had like the support of my mum and my pals but I just want to say like I understand it completely oh, yeah, I guess why it. people would do it because that was what March to no, uh, start December I felt dreadful there was only certain times I felt alright and see thinking at the time but what if it's like this forever? Because you know when you get a cold and you can't remember what it felt like to feel normal? <laughs> Aye. Like I was... Aye. It was like... I, I kept a diary at the time. I just wrote everything down every night. And so it was like four weeks before I could finish a meal. And then it was and getting back to sleep. So physically I got back to normal. But mentally I was just miles away. Mm-hmm. And I was just... I was looking through it and I was like, it took me to, I think it was the May before I, I wrote down, I had a good day today. So I was thinking, things get worse again after that. But I was like, what if it's like this forever? What if this is it? And for some people it is. Like, mm-hmm. have it, going to that council, like, me and my mum paid for that, so some people can't do that. Mm-hmm. I had my mum, I had my mates. Like, some people don't have that support mm-hmm. so for somebody to be going through that and just to get to the the end of their tether I understand why people do it it's, I'm not going to sit here and say no nah, I never thought about it I did but I wouldn't go through with it because of those reasons there was always a way there was always a way out for me but I can see why people would do it and people would say it's the coward's way out or like That's you've never really... been through it you have never MD it says I won't understand what it's like because if I was sleeping and getting up it wasn't as if it waited an hour it was instant like, mm-hmm. you're not happy and I'm like how am I going to get out of bed how am I going to brush my teeth just making breakfast with tears streaming down my face mm-hmm. and having to just force yourself to do everything there's no respite for you 
and it was a uh, just one day I had a good day. The first thing that sort of clicked was that brand Frightened Rabbit. Mm-hmm. The guy in May it was the singer of that committed suicide. Scott and uh, I remember reading about it uh, one lunchtime and just sitting there in tears reading about it. Like, how does it get that far for Sunday? Like, that is absolutely brutal. That guy just felt that was his only way out. And that was a sort of trigger for me to think, right, come on, I can't. I don't want to go down that way, but mm-hmm. it's never going to get like that for me, so just try and keep, I just say, just keep writing it out because it will get better and like, people I'd spoke to would say this is just a phase this this will, this will go away you'll get to a point in your life where things are alright and you'll look back on this but at the time I couldn't see that mm-hmm. all I could see was just constant misery do you think because it's circumstantially that uh, the circumstances were the kind of thing that seemed to trigger things a lot how much do you think was that, you know, the quote-unquote chemical imbalance and how much do you think was circumstantial that pushed you into it? I think it was all just all together. Mm-hmm. It just all built up and because I'd never let it out, it's all in there and it just builds up and builds up and then once you're in that, anxiety and all the anxiety and the feelings that come with it and it just makes everything worse and it just spirals and spirals and spirals. Mm-hmm. But obviously the circumstances had a lot to do with it, and then the yeah, uh, a quick comment on the coward's way out part of that's really it's quite hurtful to hear. Yeah, it's, it's not fair on people, is it? You don't you aye. don't know what aye. somebody's going through. Like I, f- I feel hurt by that here, and it's not at me. That's how horrible I think that is. Like that, oh, kind of hurts my heart a wee bit to, yeah, for anybody to say that. When you said earlier about coward's way out, fuck off, man. Some people are positive people. Some people can do things that other people. Everybody's different. Aye. People that. Oh, he's a gambler. Just stop gambling. (laughs) (laughs) What, you're addicted to heroin? Just just don't take it. (laughs) If other people, if somebody says that, you stop taking coffee. Aye, fuck off, no chance. Well, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's just stuff stuff like gambling and all that sort of thing that's obviously a symptom of feeling something else Uh I think and that's what leads to that do you know like one of the main things I'm as we talk and thinking is like and it sounds a wee bit bursty cared pish like a wee bit hippie pattern but do you think we all need to just be a bit nicer to each other and we've touched (laughs) on it like just you never know like be nice just be nice to people eh? please smile for a stranger say hello uh, just, just, I was just standing there someplace like that, looking about like somebody just asked me if I'm alright but then if somebody asked me I'd just lie or just avoid Aye. the question but soon enough I think that was like May like I actually enjoyed the Scottish Cup final that was the first day I enjoyed Was I that the night that day didn't I? Aye um, um, uh, not that I would have any recollection of that <laughs> I don't remember anything after I went to the international bar next to Hamden after the immediately after the game. Yeah, I think we met you we in St Vincent's Head or something like that. I can't was remember. It? But I know I wouldn't remember much that day. I'm sure I offered Stephen Arbuckle a, a half drink pint and it wasn't even mine. Or maybe it wasn't that day, but uh, I just things started to get a bit better because I was talking about it and time went on. And I think the summer weather helped as well. The sun's a lot easier to get on with, and Aye. just managed to get things in my head but yeah, I wasn't drinking a lot like 
come onto that as well, but Bevan just made things worse. Oh, aye. So I'd be feeling awful Monday to Friday and then get to Saturday and just be just at the end like I need something to change and just see going for a baby it just just wanted to feel different for a couple of hours just yeah. not feel how you felt just a wee bit of a break mm-hmm. but then see the next day when the hangover Lost. kicks in the ultimate fear and then it just goes into the following week and it just gets worse and spirals when I it, like I did that as a form of self medication as well actually being in, in Barcelona I couldn't wait for Friday and Saturday to come because yeah. I wanted to feel either to be out of, not out of my head as in paralytic drunk like out of my out of my own mind I seen out of my mind seems as if I mean like to be absolutely wrecked just get out of your head I kind of like just to escape that a wee bit to have to be that's when I felt best like I've said this before on the podcast when there's music and my pals and there's a good energy in the air. Yeah. Feel good, but then you wake up absolutely ill, as you say, the next day. But see the fear that I get? Oh, mate, I cannot describe the fear. I, I'm happy to hold my hands up and say, I get suicidal thoughts, see when it's too bad. Yeah, it's the worst. There was, there was times, like, in the summer, got to eh, about July, and I was actually... Alright, I was a. Uh, because it's summer, you've always got stuff on, haven't you? So you've always got stuff on, like holidays and stuff, like uh, Wicker. You, you met Wicker, haven't you? Aye. Aye. Me and him went to Paris, I had like, transmit and that, I had a good time, and things got better, and I thought, ah, it's alright, it's alright. And then, but I was doing stuff right, like, I was drinking, but wasn't drinking pure stupid, it was just being a Saturday night, Aye. and I wasn't just doing it to get steaming. I was going. I was back at the gym. I was eating healthily. I was going to the counselling, and uh, my mum get better and all that. So everything was going all right. So the summer was all right, but then it got to August, and uh, the counsellor I was with, she retired, and I thought oh, I'll be all right. I'll go my own way for a bit, and then my mum she went to China to visit my brother. So I. In August, I was going out the weekend, but I was just bevying on a Saturday night, and it's just bevy, like drinking the hand. As soon as I finish it, get another one. Just pure pointless. Nah. Just I don't know why. And then things started to go downhill from there again. I was uh, working, then get to the weekend, get steaming, feel awful, and then it's just that every weekend. Right. So it's just a vicious cycle. Then my mum went, so I was just going to work, coming home, doing whatever and some days I wouldn't speak to MD and I was just slipping and slipping again but I had something on most weekends mm-hmm. so it was alright and then got to into September and it was just I could feel it getting worse but I wasn't doing anything about it, I was just putting it at the back of my mind not speaking about it again into October and November and it was just it was worse than it was before. Everything just collapsed again. And I was, I just felt worse. And I was just like, oh, one day I woke up and my head was bouncing that much, just spinning that I just had to go back and lie in my bed. Couldn't just, just lay there for an hour until I could feel like I could stand up again. 
and that, that happened a couple of times and then one day I just got up and I was shaking, shaking and shaking and uh, I just tried to go out and then I see my mum later in the day and uh, she just looked at me and what's up with you and I just looked at and broke down and I just said I don't think I want to be here anymore and I just collapsed man just, just <clears throat> it's just uh, just from that point on see having the thoughts in your head mm. is different from saying it out loud to somebody you care about and mm. then from then on I was just like right fucking need to do something serious about this mm-hmm. so next day I, I went to doctor again and got prescribed antidepressants uh, a boy I know recommended a, another counsellor that done CBT called cognitive behavioural therapy mm-hmm. I booked an appointment for that uh, a guy I know at the gym he'd he was a a guy just a guy I spoke to in the gym, but he was just a big happy guy, knows everybody's name, and uh, he was doing this mad training, like killing himself, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just feeling like shit, so I'm just, this is my way to get through it. And I was like, how, what's up with you? He said, oh, just having a bad time, he told me all this stuff, and I was like, I would have never have known that, mate, like, just seeing what the happiest guy, just mm-hmm. in some shape, big handsome bastard like yourself, just that, <laughs> what is this guy got to be unhappy about yeah. and uh, but ended up I became good pals with him so we we text or phone each other whatever feeling shite so I phoned him spoke to him and uh, he said I'll train with you and change your training because you're just coming in doing big lifts and just sitting there in between sets just thinking so changed all that up and that. so I just had to change everything and you like Jerry Cinnamon don't you Aye. there's a I don't know if you've seen it, there's a picture a guy put up. Aye, and he gave his, his advice on what he does and to I feel better. DM, so I'd, I'd saved that photo in my my phone. For everybody that doesn't know, he's, uh, the guy said he's going through a tough time, he thanks Jerry Cinnamon because his music helps him through it, and Jerry Cinnamon replied to him and said, look, going through a tough time myself in the darkness, I play music and walk in the morning to make it better, just realise how you're feeling right now is not how you're feeling six months, a year, two years time, mm-hmm. just walk it off get out, get marching so I was like fuck it, I'm going to do it I used to walk all the time anyway, I'd come home from work come home from the gym and just walk or go running just to try and see if that would help so I got up, I usually got up at half six but I got up at six and just went for a walk and it's the best thing I've ever done in my life just managing to get your thoughts Fucking freezing, but fucking <laughs> November, and like, like the fucking marshmallow man, you could only see my eyes, hundreds of clothes. But eh, uh, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life because you just get all your thoughts together, mm-hmm. then you go back, and then your day starts, and you've already got your day sorted. Sounds quite a meditative thing, just yes. as you say, getting your thoughts together. For anybody else, that could be it, could be the gym. For me, it's the gym because. Yeah. Whatever it is that stops, as you say, takes you away from your your conscious overthinking or your subconscious overthinking. For me, workout-wise, it's heavy weight, high rep, minimum rest time, because all I can think about is counting. And it is like a a deep meditation. When I walk at the gym, I feel amazing. 
That's probably how I'm just that's how I'm just ripped as well. Because I was just going in and doing like this is boring chat, but but five reps of pure massive lift and take like two or three minutes break <coughs> in between right. just that. There's always some interruption, <laughs> and now it comes from the guest himself. Fucker, I've got this on Do Not Disturb and Silent now. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's something, and it? it's something to just to, to quiet in your mind. Do you know what else weirdly does it for me? Ironing. Ironing? I love watching TV, like I'll stick something on TV and I'll iron clothes, and I'm a pure OCD perfectionist with it, so I'll, all I'm concentrating on is these clothes, and see when I'm done. My mind just feels totally still. Yeah, that's see like when I did that. So I walked in the morning. I cut out coffee because I felt that pure got me pure agitated. The caffeine, Doesn't so it? I cut out uh, caffeine. Go to the the gym, change the workout up. I was going to the the therapy, but I found that see, like, I don't think see if you've got a problem and it instantly gets solved that's good but I find well, what I found with this is I used to always just try and block out my problems procrastinate mm-hmm. and it just causes the anxiety to get worse but see if you've got a problem I just write it down or break it down and say why is that a problem I've, I've sort of learned this through the therapy like, why is that a problem how can I solve it mm-hmm. and I think like the way to feeling better is to be doing everything you can to solve the problem rather than getting the problem solved. If somebody solves it for you, that's mm-hmm. good. But see if you're doing everything you can to solve it, it makes everything easier. What would you say to anybody who who was kind of in the midst of a wee bit of a battle themselves and they were turning to alcohol and let's just be open about it, a lot of people are turning to cocaine as well. Yeah. And, it's, and I think it has to be acknowledged if, if people are it is a lot stronger than it has previously been. Yep. See the the times where I felt at my worst. Mm-hmm. It was after I'd been on it all weekend. Because uh, I was just going out, waking up, still steaming most of the time. Mm-hmm. Probably couldn't remember how I got home, not knowing what I'd done, and see that mixed with everything else. It was terrible, man. It was uh, just it makes everything worse. Then that goes into Monday, Tuesday. I can see why people do it because you need that release you Aye. need that outlet but it's the worst thing you can possibly do I said about going to walks getting the help <coughs> going to the doctor and getting prescribed antidepressants all of that helped but the thing that also helped was I didn't bury for six weeks Aye. so when I said that to my mum seeing her face I was like I need to do everything I can to sort this and bevying was the worst because I remember I was building up to that after every weekend I was like right I need to stop but there's always something on so I go I'll stop the following week I'll stop mm-hmm. the following week and then the weekend before I was just ended up going to watch the football and getting steaming and waking up an absolute riot and then I was like right that's it got to stop so I didn't bevy for six weeks stayed off it and see if you're mixing gear with that as well it's just going to make it a million times worse oh. and I don't think there's enough done about it like we can all say there's problems in society and all that I love a bevy and all that and mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say I'll not get steaming or drink again or do any of that stuff again but you need to see that it doesn't help in the slightest Aye. 
I um, after the the Splash Celtic game the 29th of December I had been drinking all day and all night and it went right through to Sunday and strangely I actually woke up feeling alright and I think that's because after this mad 18 hour session because I said well that's me for quite a while and I never drank for I think I was about 8 weeks and even then I had a few pints so it was almost it was about 2 and a bit months and within that that was the longest I'd been without without going out or drink I mean I'd been out even in Hogman I went out but I never drank and that's the longest I'd gone in 10 years and it was after like, two weeks or three weeks that I realised how much I was like anaesthetising my lungs. Exactly that what? makes a massive difference. Oh, it? I was complete anaesthesia for me. Like it would just. I said in an I did an interview on LP Radio, and we were talking about it as a wee plug for LP. And um, I said when I drink to excess, it's like I pause myself for three days. Yeah. Nothing gets done. So then I get to Wednesday. And alright, I'll go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, half-assed session, pure waste of time. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday comes, I'm feeling on top of the world, and I'm like, I could achieve anything, but I don't, I just go back out yeah, on the Friday and the Saturday. That's when you feel good, like, yeah, it's a kind of way to go out this week. Like, I'm in such a good buzz, and then it just, pure repeat. I mean, I chucked it, and I've put it, this will be the 12th episode of my podcast since December, which is already gone. I would never have been able to do that, because I went out with... Uh, I went out with Chris McClear. That was my first night out, back out, and that was in March. And um, I didn't do anything for about eight days. <laughs> and I just was like, see, yeah. I approved my own point. But I think taking that step back really highlighted for me how much an impact it had on me. Yeah, it had a massive effect. And I maybe people won't realise that. And some I've seen somebody say before it was a necessary and essential crutch to get them through a really awful time which I completely understand. However, if you continue to use that as a crutch, you're never getting rid of that crutch. You're always going to have that limp unless you take that away. That's how I felt. Because I felt so bad, I just needed something to make me not feel bad. Mm-hmm. And it was going out and bevying at the weekend. But just when I took it out, and then you can think clear all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, I'm doing everything, I'm doing everything. And I remember I was like, I got the antidepressants and I took them for two days I sat the first night and looked at it for like ten minutes and I was like am I taking control or losing control if Mm -hmm. I take this because I didn't know if I'd lose myself or get myself back taking that so I took them for two days and then Tyson Fury was on Joe Rogan's podcast I saw that I and it was I listened to it and I was just like fuck this I can do this myself and I didn't take the antidepressants right. I just stopped there and I was like I don't agree with everything the guy says <laughs> he's, he's a wild but the way he spoke about he's it a bit, he's a bit um, this is a very niche reference to the latest episode of 20 Minute Tim's the New Year's Part 2 but he's very uh, Brian Clough and <laughs> stuck in a, a dark <laughs> ages but I think he's cleaned himself up a bit now but I just when he was talking that he said if I can do it anybody can I just went fuck it I'm going to do it myself mm-hmm. I'm doing everything I can and so I didn't take I'd never taken them ever again since and I just thought I want to get through this myself and then going to like the, the CBT as well like that helped like the woman Claire was fucking amazing 
God bless you, Claire. I just because you're just in your own thoughts all the time. She taught me how to think about things in different ways. See if you're you're thinking about something all the time. She taught me like you're thinking about that, concentrating that, but you don't have to think about that. You can think about other stuff. So now if I I was having bad thoughts at the time, I go hold on. I can think about something else, easy. And just a, a very light-hearted and flippant comparison would be when you were younger and you had one tiny wee spot on your face yeah. and all you focused on was that, that tiny wee bit, and you're like, oh no, it's a, but really the bigger picture is, all right, we don't have to completely look at that wee thing. I know I've just pure trivialised <laughs> at that point, but it's kind of just what I, I thought of, like, take a step back, focus on something else, look, yeah, think about it. something else. Should we say... I mean, you can educate me on this one. Should we say the not taking out of depressants isn't it for everybody? No. It's for some look, people, it could be something. Some people, it could help. That them. just worked for you. It just worked for me. It just, I, I don't just, know why if you're advocating like bad advice or anything. No, no, me. Really. If you need it, take it. Like, some people were a lot worse than me, so Aye. I felt the best thing for me was to try and beat it myself because I got to the point where I was that. I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired mm-hmm. and I thought I'm going to give this one last try myself and do everything I can to do that so no baby get up and walk in the morning change the gym up and get mm-hmm. things more intense go to CBT just do everything I possibly can and if I need to go All back right. to that I know I've done everything I can it's wee incremental changes in it that's yeah. what changes things you know like I, that was it. I was pure anxious to feel better instead of just she taught me to take a step back and it's the wee things that add up there's not one big thing that could have made Aye. me feel better it's You're the not wee things that just build up and build uh-huh. up and then gradually things got better like just it's obviously the worst thing I've ever been through in my life but I'm probably better off for it now because Aye. I went to that CBT and because I like I completely changed my mindset there's not a lot changed in my life from the start of March to December when I felt better, apart from the way I thought. So, any day that feels like shit, you, you can get through it, you, you can get better. It's like nobody's got no hope. Anybody that's feeling like shit, I would also say, take this, whatever you're going through right now, let's put that to the side and let's think about the last thing you came through, the thing before that. It didn't kill you. Yeah. Now, uh, and that is not to say, so therefore, it's not that big a deal. But I mean, is it, it didn't kill you and you came through it. I think of everything that you've come up against in your life, you've all, you always conquer it. See, unless you die or you're in like Berlin or something, yeah. and it's a prison for India with Glasgow, <laughs> um, you've come through it. And, and this is something that you, you'll get through as well. I think anybody listening to this is going to hear an honest, open, good guy. It's quite visibly difficult. Obviously, people can't see it, but there's just a couple of times it would be difficult. I don't think I could speak about it. Oh, I see you, <coughs> you asked me three months to speak about this. Mm. I couldn't have done it without breaking down Aye. multiple times, but now I feel alright doing it. And hopefully, it helps someday. But everybody's more resilient than they think. Mm-hmm. Everybody, as you say, whatever's happening in your life, you've got through it. Like, I always use wee sayings when I was going through shit just to keep me going. And like John Lennon said, everything will be alright in the end and see if it's not it's not the end that's beautiful that is so you just keep just anything that gets you through the day just uh-huh. keep going you'll get there and again it's I'm 
I'm absolutely not trivialising what anybody's going through, but the strength that and the wisdom that it will then grant you or afford you yeah. after coming through the end of that. I mean, think you said that you've learned more about yourself in this last year or so than you have in any year before that. Yeah, that's uh, like just see the the CBT as well. Like just stupid things like see somebody else saying something to you. Aye, you fucking realise it. It's just like like talking to yourself like I was saying I was always my own worst enemy like see if me and you were to leave right now and say I was driving home and I thought oh I need to get petrol and I drove past the petrol station I'd be like oh you're a fucking idiot to myself what are you doing you just drove past it you just said five minutes ago that you needed petrol and you've already forgot what a tip no wonder you get fucking dumped no wonder nobody likes you you just end up doing this by the way maybe I get what you're saying there See, this is probably a good point to say, and this is one of these things that I always think about saying to people, and then I don't. But see, by the way, best guy ever. So you? Yeah. Oh no! And I, 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 this will be thing, me. But honestly, see, anytime I tell anybody, I'm like, your pals, I feel proud because I think you're such a a, a stand. Now you can just tell when somebody's a good person, like it just shines out them, and that's what I think about you. I think you're just such a. A brilliant guy, and if I, I would like to be a bit more like you with certain things, I just feel as if everybody likes you. You're very, yeah, thanks. Very agreeable, but not in a not in a be Benson way, like a be pushover way. If that, so maybe that's another thing. If you think somebody's a good person, tell them because it could have a weird. But that, that's just made his year. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. Like, see, I was saying I'd beat myself up over something trivial like that, Aye. and I just snowballed. But see, if me and you left. And uh, we're driving. I said, "Oh, I need to get petrol." And then I drove past it. I went, "Oh fuck! I've drove past it." You just got that. That's cool. We'll leave five minutes early and get it later. Aye, or aye. can get it down here. It's no no big aye, deal. Aye, there's always a. So just like she said, just speak nice to yourself. Just speak nice to yourself as if you're like mates with yourself. And and I was like, that's so simple, but aye. so effective. So when you're beating yourself up, I was like, fuck! I'll just go and get petrol later on or I'll get up five minutes earlier just we trivial things like that like, how did I not know I this know. I don't know if I'd be good at speaking to myself like a pal because she'd be massive things if it's a really big big thing I'm probably a really good person to speak to because I can give that alternative perspective see we we staff trivial things like my pal Kenny was uh, over in Barcelona and we were going somewhere and we had bags of beer each so I had all the food and he had all the beers. He didn't drop them. And he left them. <laughs> no, we, we got to where we were going and I went, where's the beer? And he's like, well, I've left it in the train. I was like, I think I fucking verbally abused him for <laughs> 45 minutes. I still bring it up and it was three years ago. I was fucking raging. You've just done my whole point. I know, that's what I'm saying. But if, it's a big, if it's a big thing, but if, see if it's a wee thing, like, I'll hammer you. I get pure annoyed by wee trivial stuff. But, there's, um, there's another thing as well. Yeah. Uh, when Claire was like that, describe your day to me so she's like, I was like right, get up feel awful she's like what's the first thing you think all that sort of thing so I described the whole day and she was like right let's change things up and just change every negative to a positive and I was like well just like get up and she says what do you do I said I brush my teeth and she said just try and be aware of what you're doing and then I was like, I'll make my breakfast. She said, just try and enjoy your breakfast. And I said, she said, can you listen to music? So I put a Spotify on, just put a daily mix on. It's fucking dynamite. Just wee things like that. And then she said, well, 
how would your day go if you'd done this and it just turned everything positive what if you enjoyed the gym what if you went to work and it was fine what if you went home and seen your mum and smiled to your mum mm-hmm. and she said how do you think your mum would feel and I went I think she'd feel like she got her son back and I just fucking ended there Aye. and she went like you've just described that so you can you can see it happening so it can happen and she decided it's just waking up one day and it's a miracle and your day's better Aye. so then I was just able to get up in the morning be aware of it and just get on with the day and I was like fucking hell man everything's different and I add that to everything else it just got better you should read or listen to the audiobook of The Power of Now have you heard of it by Eckhart Tolle no I don't know if you pronounce the name Tolle but Eckhart Tolle and he explains that there is only now there is no future there is no past they're both things that do not exist and will never exist and never have existed because all that exists is this moment and he talks in the book it's he basically, the way the book is styled is he will essentially field questions from people trying to uh, point out flaws or holes in his uh, approach or his theory or his teachings or his practices, so to speak. And every time a question came up, I was like, he's, yes, I was like, he's got you. There's no way you can answer <laughs> this. And he would answer it. And I read that at the time. I was having a shit time as well. And he was explaining that we often either live in the future, worrying about what is going to be, or we live in the past, worrying about what has been and what we would do differently. And what then happens is we fail to act um, decisively or effectively in the now, which then continues to shape the future we worry yeah, about. In the past. And, and it's like, fuck, aye. It's so simple. And it's things that you know, but you've never perhaps had it... It's just somebody else telling you words, or aye. hearing it from somebody else makes a difference. Aye, and he's all was also big on these sort of meditative things. He's like, when you're walking down the street, count your steps up to 500 and see how you feel. And he obviously explains it far more eloquently and effectively than I could. But I was trying these wee things and and you do come out of your head a wee bit. And and it does. And, and, you know, he's he's like... Because he, I should explain as well, the, the opening introduction to the book is him explaining, thinking about taking his own life because yeah. he couldn't handle the agony of the depression and then I can't remember now because it was a few years ago I read it but basically he's then things have changed from him he's had like a miracle or whatever and uh, I, I would suggest to anybody having a wee look at that I'm not saying it's going to be a cure but it's a very interesting thing and, and it does actually highlight how much you do then worry but you were saying you worried about being a wee bit behind in the race of life yeah. so to speak against people and it really it's like don't really matter, because right? <laughs> like we're all kind of doing things at different times. It's like, are you enjoying right now? Don't worry about. Are you? Do you know? Do you have X, Y, Z? Because the people that have that have got their own problems. Exactly. That they are worrying about so. Aye, and and you know the people are also then looking at you, going, "Oh, I wish I could just be chilling or just kind of do whatever I fancied." Um, There's a couple of books I read eh, as well that really helped. There's one, the the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Aye, right. I've got an Audible credit and I keep looking at it. Should I get, is this a book I should be getting? It's the best book I've, it's the only book I've ever read and then finished and started instantly again. Really? Aye. aye. Right, okay. It, aye, that sort of really helped me as well. I'm going to get that. There was one, uh, Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule, which just stops you procrastinating. Which right. obviously helps you. And 
The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters. Aye, I really like that. Aye, Although I get that in audiobook, you know, sometimes you kind of zone out a wee bit. Aye, five minutes ago, five minutes ago, by and I'm like, I've not fucking heard a word this guy said because <laughs> just listening, I had to keep going back. But aye, that's a very good book. Well, talking about wee things that pick you up. Music lifts Mahmood. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any go-to songs? What picks you up? We'll see uh, the DMAs. Ah, we best. obviously love them. Yeah. But when I was going through pure shit, the album came out, and I just listened to that constantly. Like, I fucking love music. Aye. I just try and either listen to podcasts or listen to music all day just to keep me mm-hmm. keep me going. Just music's like I think it's the best thing in the world, man. It can just take you from. Feeling just, like shite to feeling amazing. I, I always go to gigs as well, and just it's just things like that. Like Wicker as well. Like me and him always go to gigs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I should say, like, see, going through this, like, obviously my mum was a great help, but I'll also owe everything to my mum, but also so much to Wicker and to Jamie. Like from the very start, the two of them were just there for me constantly. Like Wicker. As soon as I told him, he's like, right, man, we're going away. Took me to Lanzarote a couple of weeks later. Hello. Jamie just constantly texting me, like, if he wasn't doing something, he got on up, and we'll just sit about and just, like, sitting watching films or going for something to eat and just knowing, like, Bevan's not going to help me, Aye. so he'd just go, like, let's just hang out and that. Two, two obviously thoroughly decent people. Jamie gets a bad rap because he winds people up a lot on, <laughs> on that tweet. I know, because he winds people up on Twitter, but you can, you're very, you're obviously fortunate to have very good people in your life, so that... Yeah, I do, I'm very lucky. That, obviously, that's got to help as well, um, dealing, dealing with something like that. Um, we've kind of been through, right? I mean, this has been... Just talking about the dark times. Yeah, it's just trying to get it all. Right, so getting get it, it all. On, yeah. Things start to pick up. Let's talk about that because that's happier times, and I want people to hear this. That after that fucking hell, things get better. Oh, I, that's what I said. Not a lot changed in my life. It wasn't as if I'd all of a sudden won money, got the best job in the world, Aye. had anything different from what I had before. But I just changed the way. I looked at life the way I thought about things the way I spoke to myself Mm -hmm. and now I just hope I can be be a better person I never ever believed in myself my whole life but now I've learned that I got through it I got a lot of help I had a lot of support but at the end of the day I was the one that was living every second of every day and it was fucking brutal and I got through it and for the first time in my life I believe in myself Aye. and that never happened before you can have all the help and all the support and all the resources and all the money in the world but unless you have that as you say that internal drive or desire to actually do something about it then ain't nothing happening that's it and just like I never really knew before what I wanted for life like I always thought oh, pure miles behind everybody now I know like I've felt as bad as I hopefully will ever feel mm-hmm. in my life I felt at rock bottom now I know like all I want from life is to be happy because Aye. if you can get up in the morning and have a smile on your face like I always just kept telling myself I just want to smile and mean it Aye. see if you can smile and mean it 
you don't need all the material pish. Like, no, just exactly. Just see if you're happy with what you've got, if you're happy with yourself. That is all you fucking need. There was, I, I have got a bit of a, and this is hardly fucking groundbreaking, like pure <laughs> socio- No, no, I said me, right? This is hardly pure groundbreaking fucking sociology here. But I just, I feel that a lot of people's cases or a lot of people's deep-rooted unhappiness comes from a, a very distinct feeling of lack in their lives. Like, as you say, they don't have the material things, they don't have this, they don't have that. And they maybe strive for materialism thinking that brings happiness. It doesn't. It, do, it doesn't. And, you know, there, there also is no blueprint to happiness. Like, everybody is... People should, by the way, people should read The Alchemist. Have you ever read that? No, by it's by Paolo Coelho. Life-changing. Put it this way. I read The Alchemist and two months later I fucked off to Barcelona. To yeah, live. exactly. It was um, it's an, an incredible book and Paolo Coelho's very interesting mind. But people are... You know, everybody, whatever you're, everybody's striving for contentment, yeah. striving for satisfaction, a wee bit of happiness, and I, if if you've got that, or if you've, I'm kind of getting to a brick wall with my point here, but I think what I'm just trying to say is, it really is these simple things that, that will make you happy. So looking at other people and comparing, and going, oh well, I'm not going to be happy because I've not got an eight bedroom house with a pool, or I'm not flying first class. This is coming from me, but like I'm not flying first class all the time. Or, uh, I don't know, silly things, and then I wonder if people see that and go, I'll never get to that. That's an insurmountable task. Yeah, yeah, Fuck this. And then it. it gets to that point of taking your life. That's. That, see, realising that I was just. The only thing I wanted was to get to the point where I wasn't happy. And you're, you're like that. See, having all the shit, it wouldn't have made me happy. Nah, wouldn't have changed so the, getting the to that point was just about me being happy with myself and you don't need all that pish it doesn't make any difference you just be the best person you can be like see when you're in a moment if you're at a gig or if you're at the football or with your kids or whatever just be in that moment because you can never get that moment back You, you try and get it back but you will never get that exact moment back so now when I'm doing stuff because I couldn't enjoy anything. Now when I enjoy stuff, I try and take it in more mm-hmm. and just think this is never going to happen again. So just enjoy it for what it is. And like, see, you're just doing this podcast. Or I was doing the podcast. Just fucking find your passion. It could be a podcast. It could be go to the gym. Could be being a parent. It could be being a husband or wife. Just find the things that put a fucking smile on your face and ride them till the wheels <laughs> fall off. Your passions will change. Things will change, but just go with it man just Aye. now I just do stuff like, it seems pure stupid but just do things to see if I want to do something I'll just go and do it like, mm-hmm. I'd just sit in the house but then I was like fuck it I want to go and go to the football I'll go to myself I want to see that at a cinema I'll just go myself or I even want to gig myself just try to spend time with myself just to get used to myself mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference now I'm just like I'll fucking do it or if there's a stupid thing like a girl you like just fucking ask her out See if she says no, you're still in the exact same position. That's <laughs> a very, are a very good way to look at it. Doesn't it make a difference? You're, now I realise you, you've only got one shot of this life, and I nearly have had a whole year of feeling utterly shite. So just go for what you want. I'm going to phone the BBC tomorrow and demand a chat show. If they say, <laughs> no. <laughs> if they say no, then oh well, I've still not got a chat show. That's true, though. That's very true. I've got a pal. 
uh, a very good pal of mine. Um, and he might be coming on here to speak about his experience as well. And he lived a great life, or he lives a great life, sorry. Amazing wife, beautiful dog, cat, nice house in Barcelona, pilot, British Airways, uh, and a fantastic guy as well. Although he had a lot of mater- has a lot of material, I keep saying bad, he has, has a lot of material wealth. Uh, you would think he was a happy who didn't he? He's just a terrific guy. And he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and that hit him like a fucking ton of bricks and that was a year and a half of treatment of operations of chemotherapy of radiotherapy and it shouldn't take that but it often does and even for me I look at that and I'm like he he nearly lost his life he could have lost his life sorry if you're listening mate if that's a wee bit not nice to hear but it's true yeah he could have lost his life and it kind of made me think as well like you're only getting one chance yeah. or, or you know you're, once it's done it's done and I think when you, there are certain things like that your experience me hearing that experience is making me think as well like life isn't as, as guaranteed or you know it's not a sure thing you're not a certainty to wake up tomorrow no. and when you get to the end of it where you look back and go I wish I did ask her it or I wish I did go for that or I wish I did just go and do that thing instead of worrying life's not a fairy tale I'm not fucking jumping up out of bed every day thinking yeah it's brilliant and doing everything I want to do yeah, like, obviously hauling ho- ops playing uh, it but uh, just I do a thing where I, I set a, an alarm on my phone not that alarm that went off <laughs> but, uh, just like every four weeks and just take five ten minutes just to take stock but I don't want to fall back into old habits again so mm-hmm. just think am I doing things right am I treating the people I care about right and just when I've done it I'm like fuck it took my mum out for dinner or go to the cinema or just do something that makes you appreciate what you've got because just we don't take stock of what we got sometimes you're just too caught up in on your phone all this life life goes on but just try and take stock uh, every once in a that, that uh, calm thing I was talking about is great Without Headspace maybe. is good as well I, I, do you know what I think it's pretty much the exact yeah. same thing is it and the one the gratitude one was brilliant and it actually did change my mindset because I sometimes do I think I reach for things and I'll, I'll set things and go that's what I want to get to but you sometimes do forget to look back and go well look how far I already have come yeah. just like sometimes for me if I've not gone forward 100 miles in a month you know metaphorically speaking I'll be like oh this is a disaster it's not really um, just take a step back sometimes and just have a wee look and just go it's alright I'm doing alright I think it's sometimes what I, I, the thing I try and do is if I, I don't uh, I don't know how to describe when I do it but it'll be try and give away as much as possible Yeah. the more you give the more you have if that makes sense see when I started thinking more positive and doing more things to make myself feel better I felt better and good things started happening to me. Mm-hmm. Like I started, everything started changing. So just try and just be the best you can be, and just just calm down sometimes, and everything will work out. Just help yourself and see the social media. Just be nice to people. Yes. You don't know what somebody's going through. <laughs> you, one comment from you could inspire somebody to get better, or it could push somebody over the edge. Or just push them down. Uh, so, so what's fork in the road? It's a fork in the road. What's you taking? You're going to be the person who lifts others up, who brings people up. Aye. Who's kind? Are you going to be a wee fucking prick? You've got two choices. That's Simple it. as that. 
Um, see if anybody is struggling, just speak to somebody. It's pure, simple. Speak to one of us. Aye, slide into the DMs. You'll probably get people slide into your DMs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, get us on Twitter or whatever. Or what is your Twitter? If anybody, I will share it, but if uh, anybody wants to get you. At martinelli86. Um, Sean McDonald, 01. Uh, just speak to somebody, a friend, a family member, phone one of the helplines, because it's the only thing that helps to start with, just talking about it and getting Aye. it out. There's nobody that's beyond repair. Nobody's broken so much that they can't get better. Because I convinced myself I was and now I'm I'm You're flying. better eh? I'm happy again. Like not everything in my life is a fucking hoot right now. There's hundreds <laughs> of shit going but on. That's life, isn't yeah. it? And yang, good and bad. There's hundreds of shit right now that I could seriously do out but <laughs> I can deal with it because I've I've been through it and I know what to do now. Mm-hmm. And that's because I took that first step and spoke about it and got the help I needed. There's no shame in asking for help, whether it's from friends, family, because everybody will fucking support you. Life is tough. Life isn't easy. Aye. So, so make it easy for yourself. Aye. Make it easy for others. It becomes a wee bit too much, but as Martin has beautifully said, it's um, nothing is beyond repair. And on that note... Can I say something before finish? You bastard. <laughs> that was a lovely wee end. <laughs> oh, right, go. Right, sorry. The thing that kept me going is, like, no matter how bad you feel, no matter how dark it gets, there's always light, there's always hope. There is a light that never goes out.
Somebody. 